I'm Peggy Hames, minister, writer, and therapist, and I'm glad to welcome you to this episode of the Community of the Holy Stragglers. Today we're talking about faith in an age of grief. As I'm recording this, it is Saturday, the day before Palm Sunday, and the entire world is dealing with the pandemic. Where I live, we are sheltering at home, and life is completely disrupted. Now, ironically, because I'm talking about grief today, I am feeling some grief because right now, I was supposed to be in Alfred, Maine, staffing a grief workshop that I do the first part of April every single year. And it, it being Saturday afternoon, we'd be cleaning up now. We'd be getting ready for the, the transition times of Saturday night, reflecting on several days of really hard work. And if it was like every other workshop I've been a part of, really transformational work before we closed everything down on Sunday. And I would be there with my colleagues who are as brothers and sisters to me, who generally I only get to see when we staff workshops together once or twice a year. So it's a a big deal for us. And we have had a few conversations, some texts back and forth, of reminding each other of how much we're missing it. You know, that's the way of grief is it can come in so many forms. It can come of grief for something that we're missing out on. And I think a lot about the the college and high school seniors and how special this time of year is 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 supposed to be. Yeah, you know, how much you anticipate it. And you know, I remember being in college and then later in, in seminary where you know spring semester okay this is more in college than seminary but in spring semester you know you you go to your classes but the weather is gorgeous and so you're spending time outside with your friends throwing frisbees and playing tennis and where I went to school walking around the lake and and getting up on the the little flat patio place on the roof to to sunbathe. Not that I'm recommending that anymore, Uh, but it was just like such a special time, and there was prom and just so much good. And especially for seniors, recognizing that this is a time you don't really get back and time to, to spend those last few months with the people, some of whom became really great friends before you you scatter to the four corners. So we are all feeling some level of grief. You may have someone in your life who has died recently, whether from COVID-19 or from some other cause. And there is that grief that you cannot enter into the really normal rituals You know, there is no visitation. There is no funeral. You know, you may have a memorial service later at some point, some indefinite point in time. But there's not that chance to gather now to get hugs, to get that support. You may not even be getting casseroles because 
people can't get out or they're afraid to go to the store or whatever. It's hard experiencing loss and not having those normal rituals to lean on. It may be a loss of a sense of security, um, whether it is health-wise you know, at, at first we were kind of thinking, okay, well, if, you know, it's just hitting people whose health is compromised. So if you are immunocompromised in some way, or if you were older, then this is more of a concern for you. And now we're learning that, you know, it's hitting all kinds of people. So there's that loss of, of normalcy, you know, of just going to the grocery store. And not giving it a second thought except thinking about what you got to get. Going to church. Oh my goodness, the first time I watched worship from my own church that was live streamed. It's been several weeks ago. When it began, I burst into tears. Because I so wanted to be there. So wanted to be singing in the choir. So wanted to be getting those hugs, seeing those faces, not only of our staff, but of all of those people whom I love. We're missing that normalcy of even stopping to talk to a neighbor. I was walking my dog the other evening, and a neighbor came out who hadn't seen me, hadn't met my new dog and so the dog had to introduce her, himself. And, and we're just chatting about everything that's happening. And I realized we were about four or five feet away and had to take a step back. So the loss of just normal life. Some of you may be feeling this even more acutely um, because you've lost your job. Or you have a business that had to shut down right now and you don't know if you'll be able to open back up. So it it can be grieving the loss of the future that you assumed that you had. There, you know, I've mentioned hugs. A lot of us, for, for most of us, many of us, physical touch is really important. And I know there's some folks who really don't like hugs for various reasons, and that's perfectly fine. But there are a lot of us that it's really important. And all of a sudden, we don't have that anymore. And that's a loss. And I've heard people saying, well, I shouldn't be grieving X, Y, and Z. Um, I shouldn't be grieving the loss of seeing my kid go to prom or going to my kid's high school graduation or it's selfish, I'm, the vacation's a big one. I shouldn't be grieving the loss of the cruise we were going to go on or we're supposed to be at the beach right now. Whether it was a special once-in-a-lifetime trip or just a vacation you were looking forward to, guys, that's a loss too. It's not like there are losses. It's not like there's a ranking system. And there are losses where it is acceptable for you to grieve. And losses where you just have to suck up and get over it because that doesn't matter as much. No, what matters is that it matters 
to you. So we are, as a culture, experiencing all of these different layers and levels of grief. And that's how it always is. You know, even if if, um, you're in a family and the grief is for the loss of a person, well, there are all kinds of layers to that loss. Um, You may be grieving the loss of your husband. Your children may be grieving the loss of their father. And if the kids' ages are spread out or if they had different relationships with their dad, that grief is going to look different. Whereas, you know, your your brother-in-law or sister-in-law is grieving the loss of a sibling, which is a different kind of loss. And other people are grieving the loss of a colleague, a co-worker, or a, a best friend. And those are all very particular kinds of losses. So we are all going through a myriad of losses that show up for us in very particular ways. So one of the things that true, that's true about grief, all kinds of grief, and all of our losses, is that grief brings with it a jumble of emotions. The writer Anne Lamott had the best illustration of this that I know, which is grief is like that big wheel that they spin like on Wheel of Fortune. And on some days it stops on anger. On some days it stops on sadness. On some days it stops on denial. You know, you wake up and for that one moment in the morning, you forget about the loss and then it hits you all over again. That no, this day is not going to be like the days you'd plan to have. Um, it it hits us at different times, and you know, one day it may stop on acceptance, and thirty minutes later, we can be feeling gut wrenching sadness and even despair, and that doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong. And if you've been at it for a while and and working through your grief, it doesn't mean that the the grief you've lived through it doesn't matter and that you're back at the beginning. It's just that grief is not a neat orderly procession, and our understanding of it it was never meant to be that way. They are not stair steps. It's a wheel that spins. So one of the things to remember is allow yourself to flow with the grief. Um, Every Monday morning, I I write a a Monday morning manna for folks to to subscribe to it. It's a, a free email. And this last Monday, I wrote about sailing with my dad on, on a really windy day. But just talking about how you have to adapt. You know, if you get a big gust of wind, you can't walk around the boat in the same way as if as when things are pretty calm. You have to keep, like, soft legs. And by that, I don't mean jelly legs, but, but always responding, always being easy. If we think we can, like, walk firmly and decisively through grief, and we're always going to be moving ahead, and we are never going to get knocked to our knees, oh, man, we're in for a big surprise because it doesn't work that way. 
And along with this, do not be surprised if the grief you are feeling right now that's that's COVID-19 related, don't be surprised if it opens you up to old griefs that you've had in the past. Um, For example, if you have lost a spouse, um, it's really normal to experience that grief again of, oh, if my husband was living or if my wife was still living, I would not be alone in this house. I would have someone to share this with. Grief, it's like that links in a chain. The losses that we suffer in our lives, they are not in discrete boxes separate from each other. They all run together. Um, so, so don't be surprised if you find yourself missing people more acutely. I wish I could pick up the phone and talk to my mom right now. Or I wish I could talk to my dad. He would have such wisdom about these times. Um, you know, for, for a lot of us my age whose parents lived through the Depression, uh, who grew up there during the Depression and then during a World War um, in their young adulthood, it's the feeling of, oh, oh, I wish I could talk to them about how they got through those times. So don't be surprised if your emotions are just all over the place. Be easy with yourself and gather up a toolbox for things that you know that work when you're hit with different kinds of feelings. Now, if you go to my HamesCounseling.com website, I am adding videos to the, the homepage of that site specifically of tools to help you deal with this pandemic. Tools to help you deal with with all of the emotions and feelings. And most all of these will work very well in dealing with the emotions of grief. So in times when you are not swamped, think about what your toolbox is of the things that you can rely upon that help you, that help you feel grounded, that help you feel comforted, and that help you get through, that help you express anger. And if you can't do the things that you normally would do, like one of your tools may be reaching out and setting up a coffee with a friend. Well, think think about some other way to do that. Can you do it by Skype or by FaceTime or a Zoom call or whatever? Or just, can you just talk on the phone? Just don't dismiss it and say, I can't do it that way now. Think of alternatives. Secondly, there is something known as grief brain. You may have heard um, people talk about chemo brain, that after you've been through a round of chemo, that your brain tends to be fuzzy. It, it, it's not quite as sharp. It's not really clicking. It's um, like running through mud. It's like being in a fog. The absolutely same thing is true of grief. Grief brain is when our brains feel mushy. You feel like you're forgetting things. You have to write a lot of things down or else you just forget them. 
Um, you can't remember what you were going to do or what you needed to do or where you needed to go. That's absolutely normal. Grief upends us. It, it makes our life topsy-turvy. So it's normal to feel that way. Now, when you have a combination of grief and extraordinary stress, of course our brains are not going to be as sharp as they normally might be. Um, when this really started um, escalating, I, I went through a, a number of days at work, in, in my work at the, the hospital as a chaplain, of forgetting where I was going. You know, I'd be walking down the hall, and then I'd stop and think, where was I going and what was I going to do? And I'd always remember it after a moment or two, but I realized it's that feeling of being discombobulated. That's entirely normal. Stop for a member for a minute to try to figure it out. Make list. Make a list of where you have your list. Make all your list in a single notebook and then put up sticky notes about where you put the notebook. Um, we are all out of our routines. I don't care, you know, if you work, what kind of work you do. We are all out of our routines right now. And so the things that we used to be able to count on that we didn't have to think about, like getting kids up, getting them ready for school, what time the bus came, or driving into work, stopping at the coffee shop, those things we could just do automatically. And now we're having to make that extra effort to think about what we're doing. And so, of course, it's more taxing. Um, one of the things I talk about with our patients sometimes, and in normal times we do a lot of joint replacement surgeries, which, of course, we're not doing right now, but... Um, after their surgery, I talk with them, you know, about, yeah, it's really weird, isn't it, to have to think about how you move your body. And I remember that well from when I, I was in a biking accident and fractured my pelvis and was not non-weight-bearing for a while. And I remember how odd it was that I had to think about how I got out of bed. I had to think about what position I was in when I slept. I had to think about how I was going to go to the bathroom at night. It wasn't just get up in bed and stumble into the bathroom. It was, okay, I have to move my body this way to get out of bed. Then I have to grab my crutch and use my crutch to transfer into the wheelchair. And all of that takes an extra layer of energy and focus so if you're experiencing grief brain right now, that's really normal. Um, this is one of those times where we are all just kind of muddling through the best way that we can. So give yourself permission to grieve. Even if you think what you're grieving doesn't add up in the big scheme of things and it's not important enough, Balderdash, give yourself permission 
to grieve. Sometimes that's as simple as just acknowledging the grief. Also, give yourself permission to laugh. You know, we forget sometimes that laughter is a part of grief. If you've never seen the the award-winning Mary Tyler uh, Mary Tyler Moore Show episode, where they are at the funeral for Chuckles the Clown, it's worth watching on YouTube. They uh, Chuckles has a had a children's show at the TV station where Mary and her colleagues all work in the news division. And it's one of those episodes of of getting tickled in church and you try to suppress the laugh and then it becomes worse and worse. Well, sometimes we feel like we shouldn't laugh, but, you know, we just got to. And one of the things I love about the responses I'm seeing, I love the the creativity of people and the the people who've immediately gone to work making all kinds of, of facial masks for folks And I love the creativity of the things that make me laugh on social media. Like the one I saw yesterday, I think it was, where it said, I'm going to send a dove out, and if he comes back with a square of toilet paper in his beak, we'll know the virus is over with. Of course, referring to Noah sending out a dove who came back with a a tree, a small branch of a tree in its beak showing that the waters were receding. So, yeah, look for the things that make you laugh. It's okay. You know, the the best grieving I've been a part of was when we've been able to laugh. You know, remember that time. Oh, if Mama was here right now, she'd whatever. Daddy was here, he'd whatever. Do you remember the time we cry and we laugh together because it's all part of the experience? So you are not being frivolous if you find times of having great big old belly laughs. You know, I spend a lot of time at the hospital now because I can't go in physically to see patients. Uh, a, A lot of what I do is just circulate around and talking to team members. And I always count it like a victory if I'm able to kind of instigate a really good laugh. Because we need that. And you need that. So in talking about all of this grief in this time that we are in, Where in the world does faith come in? Well, I'll tell you where I think it doesn't come in. I think it doesn't come in with really easy, glib answers. No, God did not inflict this virus upon us just to get our attention. No, no, I don't don't believe God works that way. What kind of God would that be? This is not a time for glib answers, as if there is such a time. No, this is a time, first of all, for really digging into those places of lament in Scripture. 
Um, I, I teach a I co-teach a Sunday school class, and I've been preparing our lessons on video. Um, and we we go by the lectionary, those that collection of scriptural texts that have been um, selected for each Sunday of the church year. And in the lectionary, there's a, a text from the Psalms, from the Old Testament, from the Gospels, and then from the rest of the New Testament. And I find myself, when I'm just teaching regular classes, the Psalms are, are never really the focus. I, I tend to gravitate towards either Old Testament stories or in the Gospels, and that's where I spend most of my time. But these last two weeks, I have focused on the Psalms because they speak to our situations. You know, Psalms are the, the liturgy, the, the prayers of the Hebrew people and of our scriptures. Sometimes they are the songs, the anthems, the hymns. But the the first week, the lectionary psalm was the 23rd Psalm, which was like so incredibly perfect. And last week it was Psalm 130, which is a a psalm of lament. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. So sometimes lament is just guttural. It is from, in the sense, it is gut-wrenching. It is from our guts. Yeah, and sometimes it's my Hebrew never was very good, but reading it in Hebrew was I was able to get a sense of sometimes sometimes they aren't really very nice. They are just so gut wrenched expressions. Why, God? Why does this happen? God, where are you? God, out of the depths we cry to you. So, our faith, the lament is not foreign to our faith. In any time you need to raise up a lament, God knows this is a time. God knows that. So be honest with your prayers. Pray and lift up all of the folks you've got to pray for in this world that we have to pray for. But don't be afraid to be really honest with God and lament and cry out and grieve. That's an honest part of faith. You know, we, we kid that, that Jesus wept is the most popular verse of, of kids when they're asked to, to memorize a Bible verse. But it's also a really important one because it comes when Jesus is standing by the grave of his friend Lazarus. And in, in not so very long and just probably a matter of moments or an hour or less, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. 
but he walks into that grief. And he walks into the grief of Lazarus's sisters, and he walks into his own grief, and he weeps. God knows our grief. And it's interesting that here we are on the cusp of Holy Week. I invite you, as you walk through this week, I I invite you to be intentional about reading the stories from this week and walking through them. And as you do that, pay attention to the grief. You know, Jesus experienced great grief when his his closest friends among the disciples couldn't bear witness to his agony. They couldn't stay awake while he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And sometimes we need people just to bear witness to the struggle we're facing, and they couldn't even do that. And you can just feel the grief in Jesus. Can you not stay awake just for this moment? Can you not just be there for me just this one time? Really, guys, can you can you not? We see Peter's grief when he fails his own pledge of loyalty and devotion. He promises Jesus that he will never Never betray him. Not me. No, sir. Uh-uh. Not going to do it. I am right with you, Lord. And then when crunch time comes and somebody just asks, are, are you with that guy, that Jesus God that they got in there? And Peter vehemently denies it. And Jesus walks out. And it says that that Peter wept bitterly. He grieved. He grieved the loss of of what he thought he could do, who he thought he could be. And certainly on Friday, gathered around the cross, there is such deep grief. You know, it's, it's one of the tough things about this virus is that it has taken away our ability to be present and to be the, by the bedside as loved ones die. It is a powerful thing to bear witness to and a powerful act of love to be there. And right now we have to make peace with not being there, and that may be part of your grief. But as you walk that journey on Friday, pay attention to the grief. We walk through this week that we called holy, although so much of it seems so unholy, We take the time and the intentionality to walk through it because in doing so, 
we are reminded that God made flesh walked through our whole human experience. He didn't skip any of it. And even as we grieve, He grieved. Even as we suffer, He suffered. Even as He struggled, even as we struggled, He struggled. So, however the grief surfaces for you, however you experience it, and whenever you experience it, allow yourself to feel it, to acknowledge it, to honor it, to do with it whatever you need to do. And know that on this journey, We are truly not alone, no matter where we are, even if we wind up in ICU, we are not alone. For the God who has gone before us also goes with us. And for that, we can say, thanks be to God. Thanks for joining me. We'll do this again. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about my work or read my blog, go to heartcallings.com. Take care.